right, perfect, perfect. Hey, you guys, welcome to Flourishing Grace Church. My name is Josh Knight, one of the pastors here on staff, and we're going to dive into the Word together this morning. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and pull it out. Uh, Book of James is where we're going to be this morning. James chapter 4 is where we're going to be. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a blue Bible underneath the seat you're sitting in. If you left your Bible at home, left it in the car, uh, there's a Bible underneath the seat you are sitting in. James 4. If you're looking for James, it's towards the back of your Bible. Um, You'll be flipping through. Uh, You'll hit... uh, uh, back there, you'll find Hebrews. It's kind of a bigger book, easy to find. It's right after Hebrews. You go James or Hebrews, then James. If you hit first, second, third, John, uh, Jude, Revelation, you've gone too far. You got to back up a little bit. In the blue Bible, though, it's a little bit easier. It's on page one thousand one hundred fifteen, one 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 five, one 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 five in the blue Bible. Hey, if you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible at home. You didn't forget your Bible, you just don't have one. Uh, that one's our gift to you. You can take that Bible with you when you leave today. Uh, one string attached, you just, have to, you just have to read it, all right? So you can take that, but that, that's yours. Uh, just, just read it. Um, James uh, chapter 4. Before we dive into James, I just want to real quick um, uh, kind of echo something that uh, Jake said a minute ago. Uh, this coming Saturday, this Saturday afternoon, we have an opportunity to do something pretty amazing, you guys. This, this organization, Kids Feeding Kids, has invited us to partner with them in feeding, just over a course of a couple hours, feeding thousands upon thousands upon thousands of families and kids who, who are literally hungry, who literally don't know where their next meal is going to come from, who are literally starving. And so this Saturday afternoon, we have the ability to show up, kind of link arms. We can invite friends. We can invite neighbors and coworkers. It's, it's an easy event to invite friends to. And we can, we can make an impact on kids' lives. It's, it's an amazing thing. And so here's the question that I have for you um, this, this morning. This coming Saturday, what are you going to do that's better than that? What do you got going on? Ball game to watch? Maybe, maybe like a trip to the museum with the kids? Maybe going to the zoo? Got something going on better than that? Better than feeding kids who are starving? I, I didn't think so. Didn't think so. I know. Right? And so t- tomorrow is literally the last day to sign up for that. So right now you can pull out your phone. Uh, you can go to flourishinggrace.org slash events. Uh, you'll find that event there uh, on the calendar for next Saturday. There's a link to volunteer. But then there's also a link to donate. If every single person who donates just gives $100, um, every, every adult and child, right? Kids up to five, five and older can, can, can do this. Um, if every person who, who, who volunteers gives $100, we'll have that $8,000 goal. Hey, can you mute, mute me for one second? Mm, sounds much better, I think. Um, if every single person just gave $100, we would, we would easily meet that goal. And so, same question, what are you going to do this, what are you going to spend that $100 on that's better than feeding kids who don't know where their next meal is going to come from? Okay, that's what I thought too. All right, sweet, you guys. So, that's taken care of. Thanks, Flourishing Grace. You guys are awesome. No, seriously, now that we're all just like, oh, um, I'm really good at that, you guys. That's part of my job. No, I, I, I really, I do believe in this, in this call, in this, in this opportunity. Uh, it is, if you've never been to a Feed My Starving Children event, it is the most well-organized, kind of amazing thing to experience, to be a part of. And so I don't want you guys to miss out on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. We're going to dive into James this morning. And in James, in this, in this book, in this letter that James writes, uh, we're starting a new series. We're starting a new series just for five weeks called After 10 Years. And the idea is this. I believe that every single person in this room 
has at least in their mind at some point in time, they've had a thought, a vision, an idea of what life will look like um, 10 years from now. Uh, maybe for you it's not 10 years. Maybe it's just a year or maybe it's five years. Maybe it's 20 years, right? You have an idea in your mind of what the future holds. Uh, there's a picture in your mind of the future, what, what your career is going to look like, what your family is going to look like, what your friends are going to be like, where are you going to live, what your house is going to be like, what type of car are you going to be driving. You probably won't be driving it. It's going to be driving you in, uh, after 10 years. But the reality is like, we all have this kind of picture in our mind of, of what that's going to look like. The problem is, is that often that, that picture leads to some issues and some problems in our lives. And we're going to talk about that. James is actually going to address that. James says that that image, that view, that, that way of thinking about the future, um, ultimately, he says it's silly. It's, it's somewhat foolish. He actually goes on, he says it's, it's a bit arrogant. It's a bit arrogant to think that way. He says, lastly, he says it's actually sinful. It's a broken, sinful thing to do to think about your life in that way. But what I love about James is, he is he's not going to rip apart things in our lives without giving a solution. He's actually going to give a beautiful solution about how we should think rightly about the future. A healthy way to view the future. And as we lean into this over the next five weeks here, um, I believe that if we can have a, hold a healthy view of the future, our whole lives change, our marriage changes, our career changes. The way that we live today changes as we hold a healthy view of the future. So let's dive into the text. James chapter 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 13 this morning. James 4, verse 13. If you would, friends, if you would for me, um, in honor and reverence of the Word of God, if you would just stand with me as we read it together this morning. James 4, verse 13. Come now. Come now. I'll, re I'll read it for you. I'll read it for you. Sorry. I should have said that better. It's like the fifth time that's happened. You're not alone. I'll read it for you guys. Come now. Come on, you guys. Come, come on. Seriously? Come now. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast, you boast in your ignorance. And all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. James begins this passage um, almost sarcastically. Come now. Come on, really? Seriously? You, you think you think that you know what tomorrow's going to bring? You who say today or tomorrow we're going to move here and we're going to trade and make profit? Really, you think that? You think that's how it's going to work out? You think that you have control over the future? Come on. Seriously? You think that you can uh, organize and arrange things out in the distance and somehow that's going to come to fruition just like the way you plan it? Come on. Seriously? You have no control over that. You have no control. You're not in control of your life. You, you don't have control over today. You have no control over tomorrow. Now, you, some of you might say, no, 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 Josh, like... I've done very well. I've organized and arranged things in my life in this season in such a way that, man, things are going really, really well in my life. Man, calm seas make sloppy sailors. Right? When everything's good, when everything's right, when everything's going really, really well, it lulls us to sleep. It fools us into believing that in some way, shape, or form that we've created this, that we've done this, we've controlled it. We've manipulated our lives in order to bring us the things that we want to bring us. But all it takes is for the waves to rise a little too high, the wind to blow a little too hard, and suddenly you realize you are never actually in control at all. 
You never had it together. You just thought you did. Things were just calm for a moment. And now they're going crazy, and you realize, I have no control over this thing. James says, come on, really? You think you can control tomorrow? And then he follows it up with this. He says, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. Come on. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And it's true, right? You don't know what tomorrow holds. You could organize every single ounce of tomorrow. If you are that type A personality, my, my wife's really, really, really good at this. Like Excel spreadsheets of what the day is going to look like, right? Every kid in the house has got an Excel spreadsheet with like, their name on it, right? And you could, you could create the whole thing. Every ounce of it could be um, perfectly organized. You have everything laid out. Everybody knows you got the clothes laid out, the lunch is made, your lunch, their lunch. Every, everything is perfectly organized. You, today you spend all day working on this, making phone calls, setting up your meetings, your appointments. You got the whole thing mapped out, right? You go to bed early because you got to get a good night's sleep so that you can tackle tomorrow. You wake up in the morning and blah, your kid's just like over there peeking his brains out, right? You're like, oh, the day is ruined. The day is ruined. Or, or everything goes well and you get in the car and... It doesn't start. Everything's thrown off. Or, or even worse, you never wake up tomorrow. Your eyes never open. Come now. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to move to such and such a town and trade and make profit. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You have no control over that. It's a silly thing, James says. It's silly to think that in some way, shape, or form you have control over tomorrow. You have no control over it. You can work as hard as you want, but you ultimately cannot guarantee one thing in the future. You can't guarantee it. You can't guarantee those hopes and those dreams, that vision that you have for your future. There's no guarantee there. James says it's silly to think that we can. And then he asks a question. He says, what is your life? What is your life? And then he answers it for you. As you are but a mist, vapor, here for a moment and then gone. It's, there it is and there it goes, right? A mist, a vapor. You try to grasp it, you try to control it, you try to manipulate it. But as soon as you grab it, it's gone. It flows through your fingers. This moment you see it, the moment is the moment you see it disappear. From the time it, it, from the time it comes into existence, it is fading, it's fleeting. This is what James is trying to get you to see. None of us are adding days to our lives. We're all subtracting them. We're all losing them. We're all, we're all moving one day closer and closer and closer and closer to the day where there are no more days left. We're spending them all. James says life is a fragile and fleeting thing. And to think that in some way you perform, you can control the future makes no sense. It's a foolish and silly thing to think that the future belongs to us somehow, that we can control it somehow. It does not. For some of us in the room, when we talk about this idea of 10 years, in fact, um, last week when, when we were talking about this series and I was talking, getting excited about it, um, some of our friends who are uh, here at Flourishing Grace that are maybe a little bit, little bit older um, joked with me and they said, Josh, you realize in 10 years I'm not going to be here anymore. And I said, yeah, I, I, I understand that. I get, I get that. I mean, chances, chances are um, some of us won't be here anymore. In fact, um, some of the even people who are a little bit younger won't be here in 10 years. That's just the reality of how life works. But there, but. But for that person, for that person, that makes this even all the more, all the more important, all the more fragile, all the more uh, kind of pressing in. You feel the weight more when you realize, I don't have 10 years left. There's a greater weight to say, how am I going to invest these remaining days? 
How am I going to lean into these days? But that weight, that weight that the person who feels that maybe who's 90 years old, the weight that they feel is no different than the person who's 20 years old. There's no difference. You see, every single one of us, every single person only gets one coin a day. This is your day. You get one of these a day. You get one day. You get one day, right? You already spent yesterday's. It's gone. You can't get it back. In the future, you think you can go to the bank, and you, and you think you have a bank full of these things, but nobody knows how many you actually have. The average, okay, the average number of days that a person holds is 27,300 and some odd days. Trust me, I Googled it. I know. 27,300 and some odd days is the average. Now you say, Josh, 27,300, that's a lot. And if you're 30 years old, you have less than 15,000 left. They're fleeting. They're fleeting. And we think, man, I got a whole bank of these things. I got, I got a whole bank. And every day it just spits out one, and I get one, right? I got a whole bank. But the reality is, you don't know how many is actually in the bank. You have no idea. For you, there could be one left. This could be the only one. For you, there could be 10, there could be 20, there could be 1,000, there could be 15,000. But you only get one. You have no control over the future ones. You can't spin them because you only get one a day. And you've already spent the past ones. And so James says to think that in some way, shape, or form, that the ones that are in this invisible bank that we can't see, we don't know how many are in there, to think that you can control that somehow and that you're already spending the future ones is a foolish and silly idea. Blase Pascal was a French mathematician, philosopher, theologian. He said this, he said it this way, and I love this. Pascal says, we never keep to the present. We recall the past. We anticipate the future as if we found it and too slow in coming. We're trying to hurry it up. Or we recall the past as if to stay its too rapid flight. We're so unwise that we wander about in times that do not belong to us. And do not think of the only one that does. So vain that we dream of times that are not and blindly flee the only one that is. The fact is, the present usually hurts. And I love that. We thrust it out of sight because it distresses us. And if we find it enjoyable, we're sorry to see it slip away. We try to give it the support of the future and think about how we are going to arrange things over which we have no control. Over time, we can never be sure of reaching. Thus, we never actually live or hope to live. Since we are always planning on how to be happy, it is inevitable that we should never be so. What James is trying to communicate, what Pascal is saying, they're saying the same thing. We spend our coin, one coin, get one coin. We spend this coin, this day that we have that's been given to us, we spend it thinking about all the coins in the past that we've already spent or thinking about all the future coins that we have actually no guarantee of and no control over. And thus, we waste the only one that we actually have. And therefore, therefore, we never actually live. We just hope to live. Someday out there in the future, in the distance, then I will live. Once I've arranged all these coins in this real way, then, it, then, it will, then I'll be living. Out there in the distance, that will be life. Thus we never actually live. 
We spend the only one we have on arranging things that we have actually zero control over. We're never happy. Because we spend the one moment that we could be happy on planning on how to be happy. Or, or recalling past happiness. What do we do? What do we do? James tells us, verse 15, Instead, instead you ought to say what you should say, rather than saying this is what the future is going to be like for me when I arrange all the things and I get control over it. You should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. All right, let's do this. Let's turn this verse around a little bit, right? Let's turn it around. So James says, if you continue down this path, if you keep thinking that in the future you're going to have all these things just the way you want them, ultimately, he says, you're boasting in your arrogance. You're boasting in your arrogance. Arrogance is just a, it's an inflated view, an exaggerated view of yourself. Isn't that what our dreams are? Is that not? I mean, how many of us actually dream, when you think about the future, you think about maybe five years out, a year out, ten years out, you think, man, I can't wait. The future's going to be awesome. I'm going to get fired from my job. I'm going struggle to struggle to pay the bills. I'm going to fight with my spouse every single day. I can't wait. The future's going to be awesome. But don't worry, at the end of the day, I can, I can take, take solace. I can take my Oreos and dip them into the peanut butter and just gain like 300 pounds. I cannot wait for the future. It's going to be bright, friends. It's going to be bright. How many of you think that way about the future? No. No. In the future, you are like unbelievably fit. Like you look good in the future, right? And your career is just like on the best track ever. You are your own boss. You're conquering the world. Somehow your spouse looks better than the day you married them, right? Everything is just like working out. You're living in the big home. You're doing all the things, right? Your, your, lawn, your lawn is like perfectly manicured, even though it's not now, right? Even though it's not now, somehow in the future it's going to be, um, right? And somehow even though 10 years from now you're going to be healthier than you are now, right? Even though it doesn't, doesn't work that way, um, that's how it is in your mind, right? And we, when, we, when we think about the future, when we arrange the future, it's arrogant. We dream arrogant dreams. I dream arrogant dreams. I look good in the future, friends. I look real good. Somehow, somehow, right? We dream arrogant dreams. This is, this is, this is the cause of every midlife crisis for every man who has ever lived. When I get here, it's going to look like this. And then you get there. No, it doesn't. And you don't know what to do with yourself. We dream arrogant dreams, James says. Our dreams are inflated. They're too big. And here's the real thing. They're too much about me. My future. This is what I'm going to look like. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to own. This is who I'm going to be. James says, no, 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 no. Rather, what we ought to say, what we should say, if the Lord wills, we will, what's the word? Live. If the Lord wills, there will be breath in my lungs a year from now. If the Lord wills, my heart will beat five years, ten years from now. And what follows that, that line alone changes what comes next. When you realize that you are completely, utterly dependent on the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, for that breath in your lungs, it changes whatever comes next. Nobody says, man, the one who holds the future, the one who controls 
all things, every moment of my life, the one who holds it in his hand, the one who holds the future, if he gives me life, then, then I will buy that yacht and sit on the beach drinking Mai Tais. That's my plan. Nobody says that. If you know him, you don't say that. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. If you know the king of kings, you say, man, if he wills, there will be breath in my lungs. What comes next cannot be simply about you. If the Lord wills, we will live and we will be all about him. Our lives will radiate his glory. If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, this will be what my future looks like. And it will not be about me. It will not be about my glory and my fame and my renown and my comfort. It will be about him and what he longs for for my life. Now here's what's fascinating. We're going to talk about this a lot next week actually. This is the idea for next week. What God longs for for your life is far greater than whatever you could long for for your life. That's a hard thing for some of us to believe. It's a hard thing for some of us to understand, right? But when you know the King of Kings and you understand the lengths to which he has gone to rescue and redeem your soul, trust me, what he longs for your future, what he longs for your life to look like in 10 years is far better than whatever you could dream up. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, it would seem... That our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, and ambition. When infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. You think, man, look at this idea. Look at this future. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be working here. I'm going to be making this much money. My marriage is going to be awesome. My kids are going to be perfect. Everything's going to be great. It's going to be so amazing. James says, that's foolish. It's silly. It's arrogant. And God says, that's small. That's tiny. That's insignificant compared to what I have for you. I have something so much better for you. So much more beautiful. So, so much more robust and life-giving. I have infinite joy for you. So if the Lord wills, what is his will? That's what I want to do. I want to do what the Lord wills with my life. I want, I want to grab hold of whatever his will is for my life. And I want to pursue that. That's where I want to be in 10 years. That's where I want to be in 10 years. I want to wake up 10 years from now and know this is God's will for my life. So what is his will for your life? Well, this is where things get a little weird and tricky. People, people take this idea and they go all kinds of places with it, right? What is God's will? Who, who does he want me to marry? Where does he want me to work? What does he want me to eat for lunch today? I don't know. But I do know his will for your life. I, I don't know who he wants you to marry or what he wants you to eat for lunch. I, I don't know if he cares. Um, but I do know his will for your life. I know that for those of you in the room who are married or might be married in the next 10 years, that in 10 years, God's will for your marriage is that it would be sound and strong and robust, that you would be more in love and more in awe of your spouse 10 years from now than you are today, that you would have a marriage 
that exemplifies the gospel, that points the world to their need for a Savior, that demonstrates how Christ loved his church and how the church has given himself up and sacrificed herself for the sake of Christ. That's his will for your life. Those of you who have kids or might have kids in the next 10 years, I know his will for your life. That 10 years from now, you would be a parent who's trained up your child in righteousness, who has given them a sense of courage and wisdom that is beyond compare, and that they would be walking in that courage, they'd be walking in that wisdom, that they would know how to to engage the world around them with a gospel-centered view of the world around them, that they would know what it means to sacrifice, that they would understand what happened on the cross for them, that they would live in that, they would experience the freedom of that, their identity would be wrapped up in Christ because of the way that you parented them over the course of 10 years. I know that God longs to have a relationship with you. That 10 years from now, you'd say, I know him. He's my best friend. Know him better than anybody in the world. I know that 10 years from now, God longs for you to look back and to say, man, I invested every single one of these days. I have a legacy of good investment of my life. You know how I know that? He's given each and every single one of them to you. Every single one of them that you hold today, this one, this one that you hold today, he's given it to you. So that you might invest it well, not poorly. Not so that you could think that you can control the future. Not so that you could waste it away doing whatever. So that you could invest it in a few small things that are at the center of his will in your life. And so that's what we're going to do over the next five weeks. I I want you to focus on just five things, just five things. Not a whole list, just a few things laser focus on the next 10 years of life. What are the five things you want more than you want anything else? What what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice everything else in order to gain these five things? I'm going to give you four of them. I I think, um, again, for those of you who are married or going to be married, I think your marriage has got to be one of them. Would you sacrifice the dream job for a healthy marriage? I think your kids have got to be one of them. For those of you who have kids or might have kids in the next 10 years, I think your kids got to be one of them. Would you sacrifice a, a, that, that dream home, that massive bank account? You have kids that know that they are loved beyond their imagination. You have a healthy understanding of the gospel and are just filled with courage and wisdom. Would you trade it? I think you would. The relationship with Jesus has to be one of them. Would you sacrifice all? have a robust relationship with Christ. If you know him, you would. And a legacy to look back and say, man, I've invested those days well. And here's the thing with that idea. You see, nobody stumbles into, nobody stumbles into that future. You don't just wake up 10 years from now and be like, look, my marriage is perfect. Look, my kids are awesome. Look, my relationship with Jesus is great. Nobody stumbles into that. No. Every day, you say, there's, there's this short list in my life of things that I'm going to prioritize above everything else. Christ, my marriage, my kids, my, my legacy of investment, and, and one other thing. And I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe, maybe in 10 years you want to look back and say, man, I'm, I'm free from addiction. I, I, haven't, I haven't stumbled into that addiction for 10 years. 
Maybe for you it's a relationship, somebody in your life, a friend, a family member. I want to, I want to seek restoration in this relationship. It's broken, it's, it's scarred, it's hurting. But 10 years I want to look back and be like, man, I have, that's been healed. Maybe this is part of your identity, part of who you are. You're believing some things that just aren't true about you. You say, man, 10 years I want to have my identity more aligned with Christ. I don't know what that last one is for you. It's free, you can pick that one. Give it some thought. But every day, every day I was saying, man, I'm going to invest in these five things. I'm going to work hard every day in these five areas. And then if the Lord wills in 10 years, there's breath in my lungs and there's blood in my heart. And if the Lord wills, I, I will be there. And I'll have sacrificed many things along the way. Many things that the world says are very valuable things. But I'll arrive at that place and I'll say, man, I am at the center of his will for my life. My marriage looks like what he wants my marriage to look like. My children look like what he wants my children to look like. My relationship with them, my relationship with him looks like what he wants it to look like. And my life for the past 10 years has looked like what he has wanted it to look like. And in that place, there's more joy, more delight, more, more, more um, just gladness and happiness and fulfillment than in any other dream you could possibly dream. To know this is what God asks for me, and, 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 I'm, and I'm here. And in that, in that place, here's the beauty of this. In that place, that idea of arrogance, gone. Why? Because when you wake up there and you say, man, I have worked hard, but, 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 God has secured my marriage for the past 10 years. God has breathed life into my kids and helped me, given me the courage and energy that I need to love them well and to pursue and train them up in righteousness and love. God has secured this relationship between he and I. On the cross, he gave his life for this relationship that I might know him. He has protected me each and every single day. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, He has helped me leave this legacy of investment. What do you cling to? You can't cling to any of that. There's no arrogance there. It all belongs to Him. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, the last piece of this, the last verse, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, sin. Maybe you take this coin, you put it someplace where you see it every single day. And it reminds you that there is a difference between the right thing to do with today and there's a wrong thing to do with today. You make that healthy investment every single day, every single day. And the days when you stumble, the days when you fail, the days when you, the seasons of life when you pursue the wrong things, maybe it brings you back and it reminds you, man, you have been sinning. You've been rebelling against God. You've been doing the things that are all about you and not about Him. And that's why there's frustration in your marriage. That's why your kids are going crazy. That's why everything in life doesn't feel right. You're pursuing things that you think are going to bring you joy, but they don't. If we can stay the course, cling to Christ, and just a few small things that He longs for in our lives, I believe it's going to change everything. Not just 10 years from now. Six months from now. For His glory, not for our own. Let's do this. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you in this place. I pray that this would be a, a, just a moment for us as a church to confess, a moment of confession. Confess our arrogant dreams, our 
of foolish thoughts that we can control or manipulate the future. Bend it to our will rather than your will. A moment that you open our eyes to see what true beauty is. To see what we truly long for are actually the things that you would long for in our lives as well. But in order to get there, we must sacrifice many of the other things. So I pray this morning, the people in this room, would you protect their hearts, protect their minds, help them to preach the gospel to themselves every single day, and that they would be live a life of worthy and right investment at the center of your will, that they would not pursue foolish things. Make them more like you. Make us more like you. That we might look back on our lives 10 years from now and say that was a life well lived. Praising your name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.